with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6. Jesus Christ is the Lord of every day, including the Sabbath. Luke 6, stand with me as we read the first 11 verses of the chapter. This is God's Word, and if you let it, it will change your life. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to him, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching in a man there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we recognize that you are Lord of the Sabbath and not only of the Sabbath. You are the Lord of every day. Father, we pray that you would be our Lord not just in a season or a time, not just on a specific day of the week. Lord, you would be Lord every day. You'd be Master. We're here to serve you. Use your word in this time to grow us, to be more faithful to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout the history of the Scripture, we see this theme of Sabbath come up. I... I I want to be I want to be clear the sabbath isn't the point but it points us to the point the sabbath isn't the key thing but it puts us in the right direction Back in Genesis, God makes the heavens and the earth. He takes six days and He makes the lights. He makes the heavens. He makes the sky. He makes the land and the seas. He, he separates things and puts things in order and puts them exactly how they need to be. All preparing to put in life. So He makes the seas and then on day four, He makes fish to go in the sea. He makes the land, and then He makes animals to walk on the land. Trees and grass and flowers to spread out across the land to make it beautiful and fruitful and plentiful. And all this on the sixth day, He makes all the land animals, He's made all the birds of the sky, He's made everything else. He makes man and woman in His image, and He puts them in charge, and He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over this creation that I've made. Men were to be placed at the pinnacle of creation, not, not because we're awesome and everything else is not, 
but because He was going to use us as part of His plan to rule over the rest of what He had made, allowing us to participate in His authority, allowing us, in a sense, to be priests of all creation. And then Genesis 2.1 says, on the second day, thus the heavens and all the earth were finished and all the host of them, and on the second day, go back a few, back a few, let's go back, sorry, that's it. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. Now, did God need to rest? God's not a man that he needs rest, but men need rest. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The, the phrase here is a causative form. It's not holy, except that God makes it holy. And then we see in Exodus chapter 20, he's going through the Ten Commandments, giving Moses the laws that would dictate to the people of Israel how they were to live their lives. And one of two commands in the positive form. All the rest say, don't do this. Don't put other gods before me. Don't make graven images. Don't take my name in vain. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. One of only two commands that are positive. Do this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And this is the only one for which God gives explanation. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The seventh day is different. All the other six days you do the work you need to do. You make provisions for your family. You do the necessary things every other day of the week. But on this day, this is a day that is dedicated to God. This is His day. Now, this isn't the only day that's His day. All the days are His days. This one's going to be different. Even today, you go into many parts of Israel and there is a hustle and bustle on Friday afternoon. Because come sundown on Friday, everything stops. Everything closes. It's almost like a ghost town. Looking at the contrast, an hour before sunset, people all over the place. It looks like, it looks like Black Friday morning. People running from place to place to place to get everything that they want to get, everything that they need to get. But come sundown on Friday, it's like a ghost town. Nobody is anywhere. Everybody's in their homes. And if you walk down the street, well, you got to be careful where you walk because you're not even supposed to be walking around. You get in your homes, the smell of food people are eating, the sound of songs that people are singing in their families. Psalms of remembering what God has done. Songs of family and being together. Even today, the rhythm of life is made all the more impressive by the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an incredible thing. And it was designed with us in mind. We all need rest. Amen. Sometimes it is a lot harder to come by. And boy, do we feel it when it is. When you can't sleep, you can't rest, there's too many things going on, your mind is running a hundred miles an hour, and you just can't settle down. When there's a laundry list of things to do that seems like you'll never get 
it all the way through it. And that's just today. That's not even counting what you got to do tomorrow. This last week is a great example of that. Did y'all know the Super Bowl was last Sunday? Two Sundays ago. Was it two Sundays ago? Oh my gosh. Did y'all know the Super Bowl was two Sundays ago? Apparently I didn't hear. Does it seem like life is just moving too fast? Does it seem like you just can't keep up? Does it seem like you're running your wheels and you're throwing a whole bunch of mud behind you, but you're not getting any traction, like you can't get going? Like you just can't deal with it. That's the idea of Sabbath. Sabbath literally means seventh. It's the seventh day, and it's a day to stop. When God gave the Israelites manna in the desert, he only did it for six days a week. You know what Moses told them to do on the sixth day? Gather enough for two days. Now, let's get in their shoes for a second. I gathered too much on the first day, and boy, did it stink the next morning. I'm not going to make that mistake again, right? There was a few people that thought that way, and when they went out, there was no manna. and They starved for a day. Now, we don't think along those lines. We tend to have food around. We tend to have what we need. But remember, when you're in a desert <laughs> and food is hard to come by, boy, that, that's a lesson learned, huh? You see, God is providing enough in six days that we don't have to work the seventh. God provides enough in the six days to carry us through the seventh. And so the Sabbath is a day of rest. But like all good things, we take the good and we pervert it, we twist it, we, we turn it into something that's not what it's supposed to be. And that's exactly what happened. Pharisees in particular were looking for ways of fault. How do you know when you're working and when you're not working? And so it started out as a good design. Let's try to figure out what work entails so that we can make sure that people aren't disobeying the Sabbath law without really realizing it. Let's try to help people along the way. And so they say things like, you can't walk more than three blocks, or that's work. You can't plow your field. That's kind of obvious. You don't, you don't do the job that you normally do every day. You can't press a button. I'm not sure where they got that from. But if you go now into certain parts of the world, they have one of two things. Elevators will either have pull cords for you to select your floor, or it'll just stop on every floor on the Sabbath. There's a Sabbath mode, and you can turn a key, like a firefighter has a key to, to operate, you know, in the, in the case of a fire. There, there is a Sabbath mode, and you can set it to Sabbath mode, and it will stop on every single floor that day, so you don't have to press a button, because that's work. Seems a little odd. By the way, you can tie a rope around a whole bunch of different buildings, and that's all considered one building according to the Pharisaical laws of the Sabbath. So you could walk all over town now because all the buildings are joined by a rope. It all counts as one building. Isn't that a little silly? Isn't that a little, isn't that just like us? How can we, how can we get as close to the line as possible without crossing it? How can we do as much as we want to, as much as we can to get away with it, straddle the line so that we don't actually break the law? That's exactly what we tend to do. And that's exactly what had become of the Sabbath by the day of the Pharisees. And so as we look in Luke chapter 6, what I want you to realize is that the Sabbath in Luke 6, the Sabbath that the Pharisees are looking at, 
is not the same kind of Sabbath that God had originally created. God had created a day for us to rest, a day for us to seek Him, a day for us to dedicate to Him. It wasn't a day that was supposed to be like any other day. It wasn't a day in which we do all our other stuff, but we add on church. It wasn't a day for us to enjoy ourselves and have a good time and not do anything worthwhile. It was a day for us to find our rest in God. But that's not the same kind of Sabbath that the Pharisees were looking to observe. Luke chapter 6, verse 1. On the Sabbath, on a Sabbath, this is just a normal Sabbath day. While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. According to the law, uh, when you're going through a grain field, if you're hungry, you had a right to pick food and eat it, as long as you did it with your hands and not with a tool. You couldn't use a sickle. You couldn't use anything else to harvest. You could only use your hands. And that's what the disciples are doing. They're walking through a grain field. They're hungry. And so they start picking some grain, perfectly allowed. In fact, farmers were told to leave extra grain for people who are traveling through, who are sojourners, who are, who are poor, who are not able to provide food for themselves, who may be in a strange place walking through the land. You were strangers in Egypt, God told them. So you take care of the stranger. And this is one way they did. So they're walking through the fields. They find a little grain. They pick some grain. They're rubbing it in their hands to separate the husks so that they can eat the good part. And the Pharisees see this. And just like good Pharisees, they do what good Pharisees always do. We don't call them Pharisees today. There's all kinds of different names for them today. But they do just, it's just a Pharisaical thing to do. Verse 2. Some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? You're working. That's work. You're not allowed to do that. Isn't that just like a Pharisee? To take a law that's a good law, something for our benefit, twist it into some sort of convoluted mess, and then apply a standard that was never intended. And Jesus does what Jesus always does. He puts things in the right perspective. Jesus answered them. Have not read. Now this is, of course they'd read. These guys were known. These were the Bible scholars. Of course they had read. Had we not read. Some of these guys copied scriptures for a reading. For, for a living, they would write down a copy of the scripture onto another copy so that the word could be preserved. That was their job had they not read. They had written it. But you know, just like any person, sometimes you can do it all day long and never quite get what you're doing. Sometimes you can hand write things, still not learn it. Who can, who can quote the Gettysburg Address? Uh-huh. Things sometimes that you write out don't always stick with your memory, do they? I bet I could pull out your fifth grade spelling words. Not James, because he's in fifth grade. But I bet I could pull out some of your spelling books from fifth grade, look at the words and ask you, and you would have trouble spelling them. Now, now, don't think I'm just pointing to you. I want you to know that if you got my fifth grade spelling book, it would be atrocious, the results of that test. Because I, I don't remember a lot of it. But I'll tell you this. These are the folks that should have known. 
He says, have you not read? Don't you know what the Bible says? When what David did when he was hungry and those were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. He's referring back to 1 Samuel chapter 21. David is running away from Saul. There aren't very many people with him. He is on his way out of the country because he realizes, I don't have a chance. And so he goes to Nob. Now, how, how would you like, how would you like for your city to be called Nob? He goes to Nob and the temple, the tabernacle is there. And he talks to the high priest and he says, don't, do you have anything to eat? I need food. He is weary from running from Saul for his life. He's wore out. He's hungry. And the priest says, well, I don't have anything here except for the showbread, the bread of the presence, the bread that only priests are supposed to eat. Now, this bread had been sitting out for seven days. Every Sabbath it was replaced, but he gives it to David to eat. Wait, that's illegal. That's against the law. You can't do that. Alfred Edersheim points out a good point here. He says, there's a higher law of charity that the priest is following. In other words, sometimes the law comes into conflict with the law. Sometimes there's two laws that kind of don't jive well in a situation. And you have to figure out what law takes precedence over the other. What law am I going to apply and not the other one? Which one matters more? And the law to care for your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself, supersedes the law of only the priest can eat this bread. Because this is a person who's hungry and who needs food. And so they apply the higher law. Watch what happens here. Jesus is saying, There is a law that supersedes your laws. There is a law to care for the sojourner that supersedes your law of don't work on the Sabbath. That's work, please. That's not what God meant. God's law is there for man's benefit, to help man, to give man the rest that he needs. It's not there to restrict him. It's not there to, to put, to put these tight handcuffs on him and prevent him from caring for himself. The law is there so that he can care for himself. So he doesn't have to drive himself into the ground working all the time. There's a higher law we were talking about in Sunday school. Um, you can't, you can't do things your way. Because if you do things your way, trying to get what you want, you end up losing it. When you try to get the thing that you're going after, you end up losing it. But when you go for the thing that matters, Jesus said it this way, you, you, uh, he who will find his life will lose it. The one who's trying to seek after his life, the one who's trying to gain it in his own means is going to lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake, the one who puts me first and who follows me no matter what, even if it means giving up this physical life, finds the life that he actually needs and wants. What Christ is saying is is you can go after it your own way, but you're going to fail. 
Adam and Eve in the garden looked for knowledge their own way. Eating a tree that God said don't eat from. And boy, did they get more than they bargained for. But they lost the very thing that mattered most. And ever since, we've been trying to do it our own way. Ever since, we've been trying to find our own lives and we end up losing them. Matthew adds something else that Jesus said to his account. Or have you not read in the law, in the law, how on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Did you know that priests do more work on the Sabbath than any other day of the week? They sacrifice more offerings on that one day than any other day. They make more atoning. They have to bake the bread of the presence every Sabbath. They didn't do that any other day of the week. They only baked it that one day, put it out on that one day, took the old bread out. They do more work on the Sabbath day than any other day and yet are blameless before God. Why? Because they have a more The law was not designed to be the set of handcuffs that prevent God's people from doing the more important work, the greater work. God expects us to exercise wisdom to know when and how to apply his word. Mark, Mark boils it down for us. Mark chapter 2 verse 27, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We are not created to follow a set of rules like a robot given a specific set of instructions. We're not computers designed merely to follow directions. We're human beings created in God's image to have free will. But there's even a more central concept. And Jesus states it here in Luke 6, 5. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. When we look at Christ, we find the law and the prophets leading straight to him. We find the testimony of Moses and the testimony of Elijah. We find Isaiah and Jeremiah, Daniel, Amos and Obadiah, speaking their voices, all testifying with one voice saying, look at him, look at Jesus. He's the one. Now they don't say the name of Jesus, but they all point forward in the same direction. And when you follow where they're pointing to, they're all pointing to the Messiah. They're all pointing to Christ. They're all pointing to the same one. Everything that you see in the law and everything that you see in the prophets leads us directly to Jesus Christ. The Sabbath included. He is Lord of the Sabbath because the Sabbath points to Him. He is the one in which we will find the rest that the Sabbath is but a foretaste of. He is the one in which God helps us to rest from our work, from our labor, from our pursuing. To find the peace that we are looking for. It all points to Him. Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's the point of the Sabbath. And if you've missed him, you've missed it all. The second part of this passage deals with another Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. Once again, Pharisees just doing what Pharisees do, looking for something to gripe about, looking for something complain about looking for something to get you on you really want to know the test between someone who's holy and someone who's just pretending to be holy 
Look at what they do with others around them. Are they looking to nitpick the tiny little details that don't matter so much? Or are they focused on trying to live for God in their own lives? If I'm too worried about what you're doing wrong, that's a problem with me. If I'm too worried about what I'm doing wrong, fixing me, that's a sign that God's really working. But they're not interested in that. No, they're, they're, they're more interested in upholding what they like. The laws that make them feel good about themselves. Verse 8, but he knew their thoughts. He saw right through them. And he said to the man with a withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. He gets the man in front of him and he says, y'all tell me, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or harm? It's an either or question. Is it lawful to do good or is it lawful to do harm? Would it be better for me on the Sabbath day to do something good or to do something bad? To do something that helps someone or that hurts someone? To save life or to destroy it? Which one would be lawful for me to do? And they don't answer. They can't answer that question. Is it more lawful for me to show God's love to somebody, even on the Sabbath day, even if it means that I'm working to do it? And another one of the passages, I think in, I can't remember if it's Matthew or Mark, they all three give this story, but one of them gives the detail that Jesus asked them, well, if one of you has a sheep and it gets caught in a ditch, aren't you going to drag it out even on the Sabbath day? I, I, I've never had a sheep, but I, it's work. It's more work than pressing a button. More work than getting a little grain to eat with your hands. See, their problem wasn't that they wanted to honor God by keeping the Sabbath holy. Their problem was that they wanted to honor themselves by looking like they were honoring God and looking like they were keeping the Sabbath holy. He looks around at them. I bet he's giving them a dirty look in verse 10. After looking around at them all, turns to the man, he says, stretch out your hand. What I love about this is that he doesn't even do it. Like he doesn't, he doesn't come over and get the guy's hand and like stretch it out. All he does is say the word, stretch out your hand. And the guy stretches out his hand. He's healed. And everybody excited and praised God, right? No. Verse 11, we got to get him. They were filled with fury. See, it ain't about the person. It ain't about God healing the person for them. It's not about God doing the miraculous deed. It's not about the fact that God loves someone enough speak into their situation to bring healing. No, it's not about that. It's about He made us look bad. You see, God, God expects more of us than just filling out the checklist. He expects of us genuine love. Love for Him, love for others. And the Sabbath is not just a day where we don't do anything and we just sit there like bumps on a log. And it's not even a day where we just worship all day long. It's a day where we are free to do what God wants us to do. It's a day that's to be dedicated to Him among the week being dedicated to Him, but to focus on Him as opposed to just ourselves. It's a day for us to be able to love Him in the fullest expression. Christ is the Lord of every day. Sabbath is one opportunity that we have to demonstrate that to ourselves, to Him, to everyone else. Pray with me. Father, 
So often we take your word and we take the things that are good and we take the things that are right and we take the things that are pure and we twist them around and we turn them into our own motives. We, we, we make them dirty. We mess them up. Sometimes we do because, well, we're just messed up ourselves. We're like a muddy toddler that just makes everything he touches muddy. He's not trying to make a mess. It just happens. Sometimes, though, we're doing it on purpose. We're messing up the good things that you have provided because they make us feel so dirty. They make us feel so bad that we just have to twist them and have to turn them into what we want so that we don't feel so bad about ourselves. So that we can feel more like we're good. We can feel more like we're doing a good thing. Like we should be praised. God, we often do that with Sabbath. Now, I believe that you're the Lord of every day. But God, I don't always demonstrate that especially on Sabbath. Lord, would you help me? Would you help all of us use this day, not just as an excuse not to go to work or not to do certain things that are hard. God, would you use this day for us to apply the higher law, the greatest commandment? Someone asked your son that. What is the greatest commandment? And you said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. God, would you help us do that today? Would you help us put aside our own feelings, our own conceptions of who we are and what we should be? And would you just help us love you and love others? Become the person that you want us to be. God, this is your time. You lead us as you will. In Christ's name, amen. I want to give you the option to give God your Sabbath. Now, I know this is the first day of the week. It's not the seventh. But it's as good a day as any to dedicate this day to God, to seek His higher purpose. The altar is going to be open. If you need to pray, you're welcome to come. If you want to talk to someone, I'll be standing right here. Make this God's day. Do what He wants you to do while we sing this invitation hymn.